0: Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading.
1: All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul writing here, Uh, from the New King James Version we're reading. And it says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, you know, I've said to you before that uh, unlike our letters today, where we'll say, Dear John, we'll write the whole letter and then we'll say love or sincerely and we'll put our name. Back in this day, they would start off with who's writing. That kind of makes sense because I don't know about you. Excuse me, but I have read a whole letter before, and when I got to the end and found out who it was, it changed my understanding of what the letter was about, because I thought it was from someone else. So I kind of like this, where we start off with who it is. But notice, not just Paul, but Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is typical for him to establish not only who he is, but why he's writing. What gives him the authority to write? So he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Notice, I'm not an apostle sent by you, Ephesians. No, I have been appointed by Jesus Christ to serve you, to bless you, to instruct you, to oversee you. So he was not sent by the people. He was sent by God to the people. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. He said, I'm doing this in the will of God. This is the will of God. He's not bragging. he's just matter-of-factly, confidently uh, declaring that this is, this is what it is. And, of course, we know it's in the Scriptures. It's true. So he says, this is Paul, an apostle, to the saints who were in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. So he said, I'm, I'm writing. He's not writing to all the people in the city of Ephesus. He's writing to the saints, to the saints, to the believers who were in Ephesus, Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you, very typical. Paul believed, and we should believe it too, that when he speaks grace to you and peace, that his words carry the grace of God and carry the peace of God. It's not just a religious greeting. Words carry things. You know, when God said, let there be light, bam there was light. Why? Those words release the power of God to cause light. And when Paul says grace to you, and we need to greet people like this too, with faith that we're releasing what we're saying. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three. Okay. Here, here we go. Ready? Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Oh my goodness. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, talking about Father God, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So every spiritual blessing that there is in the heavenly places, in the spirit realm, in heaven and everything, every spiritual blessing, in the heavenly places he the father has already blessed us with those things where somebody might say well where are they well you may not see them with your eyes you may not tangibly be able to feel them with your hands or experience them in your life right now but he's saying you need to know this Oh, this is so powerful he said you need to know this because you're in jesus and all these things have been given to him the firstborn and and the firstborn gets this lavish inheritance He said, you're in him. You are part of him. So these blessings have already been bestowed upon you. This is why we never need to be discouraged, never need to look at what we can see and be limited or be deceived into thinking that what we see is reality. Oh no, we have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We've already been blessed with it. It already belongs to us. Now, we don't have it yet, but it belongs to us. It's like you have money in your bank, but it's not in your hands. Well, you have to go withdraw it. See, and so we withdraw things as we need it by faith, as we need them. So, uh, we've been already blessed uh, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us. Oh, aren't you glad? We didn't choose him, he chose us. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He, before the foundation of the world, saw, he looked in advance. He saw Jesus die for your sins. He saw, in fact, he saw Adam and Eve sin. He saw Jesus die for the sins of the world. And he saw you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And he chose you. He chose you and says, yes, I'm accepting his faith. I'm accepting him as a part of my family. Even before the foundation of the world, that's God's foreknowledge. God's outside of time. He sees the beginning and the end. So just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should not, excuse me, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So notice, uh, unlike some people think that we're saved by grace, and we'll get to that in this book, but that doesn't mean that we can just live any old sinful life we want. No, he chose us so that we can live holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now there's a whole mouthful there, but uh, let me just get to a couple of these points because they're so big. Verse five, having predestined us, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, having predestined. What does that mean? That means, again, that God saw into the future, and God saw, I believe that God saw very clearly who would accept Jesus and who wouldn't, and God already predestined. He predetermined that we who would receive Jesus would become part of his family. He elected us. He chose us. So even before we were born, God was, had already chosen us to come into his family to be saved through Jesus and such. So this didn't get initiated when you opened your mouth. <laughs> that was you f- carrying out and fulfilling something that God had already seen and chosen, predestined you uh, to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, the good pleasure of his will. He wanted it. He wanted you. God wanted you and it brings him good pleasure to have you in his family. Isn't that good? According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Well, the fact that he took people like us sinners, oh, so far away from God, there's no way we could ever uh, make up for our sins, pay, pay it back, pay God back for our sins, nor could we even measure up At any starting point from now on, I'm not going to sin anymore. Well, nobody could do it. No one could fulfill that. But he made us accepted through Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus on our behalf. He made us accepted. Well, no wonder this is to the praise of the glory of his grace, the glory of his grace, the magnificence, the glory, the beauty of his grace. See, this is how he did it. By His grace. Verse seven, here's another one. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. Talking about the blood of Jesus that was spilled on the cross. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. What is redemption? Redemption means that we were bought back. You know, you buy uh, a can of soda and you drink that soda, but that can can be redeemed for whatever little nominal fee was added to your soda. You can redeem that that can, it'll be purchased back by the store, by whatever uh, retailer, they'll purchase it back. And you have always been owned by God because he created the world, he created everyone in the world. But through sin, you were separated from God. And what did he do? He paid the biggest price by sacrificing his own son to redeem you. He he said, I want to buy you back. I want to buy the right to have you back with me back in my family. So precious. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. He just washes your sins away. I mean, just like like you're not even responsible. You are. You are responsible. He just washes them away. Jesus took the responsibility for them. Well, they weren't his responsibility, but he took them anyway. So, You see how packed this is? I mean, this is loaded with revelation and truth. So we got to get moving. So it goes on to say, uh, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us. His grace doesn't trickle toward us. God made his grace to abound, the riches of his grace to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. Well, this unseen God, how would you ever know what he wanted? He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, even what we're doing right now. We have a book that he gave us, and we're walking through this book And he's explaining things to us. He's making known to us the mystery of his will. See, and so according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having, uh, excuse me, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So notice again, verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So he's reconciling in Jesus uh, sinners on the earth with heaven, with God, his family, reconciling us together through Jesus. Sinful with holy, unrighteous with righteous. How? In between is the mediator who died for our sins, and he's reconciling. He's bringing us back together through the sacrifice and the death of Jesus, paying for our sins. So in him also we have ob- obtained an inheritance. Did you know you've obtained an inheritance? Uh huh. When you got born again, you came into Jesus. Guess what? You got this inheritance. And it goes on to say, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things. This is again that predestination. God foresaw all of this and chose for it to be this way. Chose to receive us. Chose to give us this inheritance, according to. Uh, All things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him, verse 13, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I just love this. Having believed, you were sealed. In other words, when God gave you the Holy Spirit when you got born again and He put the Holy Spirit inside of you, He was putting the Holy Spirit there to seal the deal, to make sure that you had the help of the Holy Spirit inside of you to continue to stay in relationship with God, to continue to walk in the grace of God, to continue to walk in salvation until He can fulfill the completion of the salvation with the renewal of your body, your mind, actually bringing you together face-to-face with Jesus, he said he gave us the Holy Spirit to seal it, to make sure that you had what you needed to get the full salvation to come to pass. Praise God. Oh, is God good or what? So let's go on here. So let's see. So the Holy Spirit, he gave us a seal. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Verse 14 until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So there's going to be, just like your spirit was saved, well, your body is going to be saved. Your soul is going to be completely renewed. And we're going to have bodies that don't age anymore, don't decay anymore. They're not tempted to sin like they are now. And so this is what he's saying. It's going to come to pass because when Jesus died, he paid for all of that but you first get saved spiritually when you make Jesus Lord and begin to follow him, then these other things will happen at the end of the age. Verse 13 or verse 15, it says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers." So Paul said, I I keep praying for you. I don't cease to make mention of you when I'm praying. And then he's going to tell them what he prays. And by the way, pray this prayer, starting from verse 17. He said, here's what I pray for you, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, The Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He said, I pray that over you, that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In other words, that your eyes will be open to see what's right there in God's word, what's right there in salvation, what God has made available to you through Jesus. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding. Another translation says the eyes of your heart. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, like, oh, I see it. Oh, this happened to me when I was a teenager, and I I had this light come on that even though I was bound with lust, and I just hated it, I was so embarrassed, so ashamed, the light came on that in my born-again spirit, I was the righteousness of God in Christ. Oh, I'll never forget my eyes being opened to the fact that even though I was still struggling with sin in my flesh... My my spirit was in Jesus righteous, and God was looking at my spirit and judging me and declaring me right with him, and that he wasn't looking at me as a blow it or a sinner. He was looking at me as a righteous man of God, and so I began to walk in the spirit and walk as if that was true, and that's who I was, and guess what? It broke the power of that addiction and that bondage. And I began to be able to live as a man of God. Praise God. That's what God will do for you, too. This is for everybody. This is the way it works. So, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power. Toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. He said, He said, that your eyes will be open to the fact that this same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that God has made available to you, to be delivered from every death, every addiction, every bondage, all fear, and all that stuff that limits us and discourages us and keeps us back. He said the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now released to you to get you out of whatever situation you're held back by. And it goes on to say in verse 21, far above, let me go back to verse 20, uh, 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him as, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, notice where he's seated, Jesus is seated far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And God, the Father, he put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he's saying he raised Jesus from the dead and not only raised him from the dead and left him just right there on earth, but he raised him in his status. He raised him in his authority and he placed him at the right hand of God, far above all principalities, powers, uh, rulers, and such. Satan, demons, every government. Oh, Jesus is way above all of them. See, far above, not just a little above, far above all of them, and made him uh, the head of the church, which is his body. Guess what? That's us, born again people. We're part of the church. We're part of the body of Christ. But Jesus is our head. So he's our champion. He's our savior. Thank God. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This takes us right into chapter two, which we'll get to tomorrow.